everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Spawnmas Eve. Uh, it's day 11, 11th issue of Spawn. Uh, we'll talk about the final issue, issue 12, tomorrow on Christmas Day. Now, we are recording these back-to-back, -back, so, uh, but I should have a lot better sound. I was on my iPad yesterday at my remote location here. Went out and bought a webcam today, so it uh, should be a lot better on this borrowed computer that did not have a webcam. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about issue 11, we'll talk about issue 12, we'll have a little bit of a break, and then come the new year, we'll be back with uh, Spawn every day, at least at least we hope. As Rocky said, it's a very ambitious project, I'm sure we'll miss a day here or there, but you guys seem to be really enjoying this trip down memory lane, and it's going to be interesting because when you think about it, it's been, what, almost 30 years that it's taken to get to this point with Spawn, 320-some issues. We're going to be covering it in a, in a year, so we're going to be traveling through that aesthetic and how, you know, society has changed, culture has changed, how has Spawn changed with it, but it's going to be, to us, a rapidly accelerated timeline covering them so quickly. Uh, all that being said, we're going to talk about issue 11 today. I can say, and it's not really that close, this was my least favorite issue of the series so far. Really didn't like it. What do you think, Rocky? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I, I thought it was it was kind of it was a little disappointing. It was just it, it was sort of retreading on old territory. We 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 already know that Al Simmons is spawn and that he's he, he's living with the sort of street people. And this issue is just like a gang war. It's just like a, a sort of like a cheap turf war between nerds and creeps. And it was uh, it was just more an exposition dump rehashing the same old things we knew before. This was the first issue where. It, uh, McFarlane's habit of r repeating everything, repeating the same plot points, has kind of become annoying. Uh, there, there's a difference between a narrative and a plot point, and uh, he keeps sort of repeating the same, restating the same plot points that we already know. And this is the first issue that I actually found it more, more a little bit more annoying uh, than in past issues. I, I found it strangely kind of interesting and even kind of uh, funny and enjoyable and at times, you know, satirical, but now it's getting a little bit annoying in this issue, but uh, we'll get into it. Well, keep in mind, this issue 11 is actually written by Frank Miller. It's not even McFarlane. So that's what makes it even, even worse. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not, to, not to badmouth Frank Miller. Um, I'm, I'm not a big Frank Miller fan, honestly. I mean, I know some people just bow down and reverence. I'm, I'm not that guy. Um, has he, did he do some good things in the past? Yes. Has it been a while since he's produced anything I've enjoyed? Yes. <laughs> you know, to be honest, but, um, it, it's, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know why this is the way that it is. I, I mean, we, we talked about the Dave Sim issue, which, you know, a little bit of a different tone with issue 10 and he definitely was making a statement about crater rights and this and that, and it was its own thing and it was fine. The issues previous to that, the Gaiman issue, the Alan Moore issue, I thought were great in terms of a couple of the best issues scripting wise. Um, but this one, you know, for being a comic book legend, I mean, it, it, it's kind of very illustrative. I think that you didn't even realize it was Frank Miller and not uh, not Todd McFarlane because, yeah, Frank Miller puts a lot of goddamn words in here more than unnecessary. It's like you can forgive McFarlane for doing it because He's not a writer, you know, regardless. I mean, I, I guess if you write comics, technically you're a comic book writer, but it's not his forte. 
as opposed to Frank Miller, who made his name as a comic book writer, and still the exposition is super heavy. And even the, even the parts that are new, like you alluded to, this gang war between the nerds and the creeps, it's just not interesting. The characters are super tropey, super two-dimensional. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really move the narrative forward. I, I don't know. It, it was kind of rough. Uh, yeah, maybe, I, I, will, maybe... I will add, though, that the, the violence, the level of violence, when you say Frank Miller, yeah, there's definitely some Miller-esque type of violence, but uh, McFarlane did a pretty good job himself adding in the violence early on. So, uh, yeah. If I, I never paid attention to, I just assumed it was McFarlane that wrote it. So yeah, I, I would have been fooled. I, Miller very much, Frank Miller channeled his inner Todd McFarlane when he when he wrote this one. <laughs> yeah, it's again very strange. Now McFarlane does return with issue twelve, and I have my own problems with that issue as well. And we'll get to those when we talk about that issue. Uh, but let's dig into this one in, into the meat of it. And and again, maybe part of it is the fact that Miller, you know, this is the first issue he's writing, so in a way. He is sort of putting in that recap. It's also a comic in the 90s where that's what they did back then was was recap a lot. But there's there's a difference between recapping and retelling the entire story. Uh, also, you know, we did see at the end of issue nine that Spawn had pushed that button on Angela's spear and, and sort of disappeared and went into that purgatory place where Cerebus uh, eventually rescued him and then took him actually to the not Spawn to McFarland's house. Apparently at that point, Spawn goes back to to New York to the alleys where he, he's made himself a home. I guess it's not the smoothest transition, um, you know, going from from nine to eleven. And and we talked about the fact you could technically skip over ten. Maybe it's not available digitally right now, but that's got to be kind of jarring because again, he pushes the button on the uh, on the staff in issue nine and disappears in a in a poof of energy. Then you open up eleven and he's just back, you know, with kind of no explanation and we're not even really given a good explanation other than well let's get back to reality <laughs> you know yeah he makes Which, a reference to a dream about an aardvark and that's sort of an inside yeah. joke throughout the issue about cerebus the aardvark and and he, him just it's just yeah you know his his street people just pass it off as l you know just spawns hallucinating again <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh not only a talking aardvark but one that smokes so yeah <laughs> i mean uh, yeah i guess it's just enough to to put in the first dialogue box here uh or the first uh, exposition box now let's get back to reality as in issue 10 wasn't reality so okay so spawns back and he's having somewhat of a nightmare and one of his street buddies is saying snap out of it you're gonna attract the attention of the cops he ends up uh slapping Spawn, like, apologies for this, Al. He smacks him. And uh, that does work. It, it kind of wakes Spawn up. And he's like, oh, Bobby Boots. Uh, I was having this dream, like, you know, uh, Rocky was just alluding to. This really mean angel and a talking aardvark. A talking aardvark. And he smoked, too. And they're like, uh, <laughs> man, you got to. It must be the wine talking. And Spawn's like, I don't drink, damn it. Uh, and they're like, okay, calm down, you know. Uh we've been hanging out for a while and we, we don't really know your story. So, you know, don't get me wrong, but you know, who are you? And he, he kind of apologizes and says, you know, it's a long story. I guess I just need to, um, need, need to open up to you guys. Uh, you know, we call boots boots because he loves boots. And the fact is that this alley and you guys are my home. Um, and before he can actually tell the story, there's a big explosion goes running off. He finds this girl who's been shot by some sort of giant cannon 
and Spawn himself gets shot by the same weapon and literally has a hole in his chest. And we see this giant cyborg. I guess 90s cyborgs were the in thing and also drawing gigantic. Because look, we saw Overt and now we see Boomer. And this one, we have a, a guy named Byron. They're, they're all just giant hulking uh, comic book characters. And it, I don't know, maybe that's a little too 90s for me, too tropey. doesn't work. Every, you know, every 90s cliche, look at all the pouches and the, <laughs> you know, guns and the grenades, you know, it's like, oh my God, that's, that's one trend from the 90s that I'm glad, that I'm glad went away. No subtlety at all. Um, but anyway, Spawn's friends are like, oh, you know, oh no, you, you, you heard Spawn and he's like, you, you killed my pal. And the, the guy, and again, great just, you know, Frank Miller at his, the height of his power scripting this. Maybe I'll kill you too, you drunk old turd. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is some great comic book writing right there. You, you, uh, of course. <laughs> I mean, just, just so bad. Uh, Spawn chooses at that moment to get up with the gaping hole in his chest and uh, grabs the gun and, and the guy's like, this can't be happening. And he goes uh, running off and uh, Spawn's buddies are kind of surprised. Like, why, why are you letting them get away? Uh, and how are you not dead with a hole in your chest bigger than my fist? I'm, I'm confused. Uh, and then we're, expositionally, we're told Spawn's letting this guy go because he wanted to save the girl. He wasn't able to. So who is this guy? Where did he get the cannon? Um, you know, Spawn wants to stop him, but it's not enough to just stop him. He wants to find out more information. So he lets him go so he can follow him. Uh, but first, he has to use up a little bit of his precious energy to heal himself, which he does. Uh, and to Rocky's point, in a few episodes ago, we're talking about using his powers. We should have a counter right here, right? Because the last time we saw the counter was when Spawn pushed the button on the staff. And it went all the way down, not even to zeros, but just to dashes. Now he's back. Is there still a count? Does he still have limited power? We saw last issue when it was the not spawn, the McFarlane spawn, he had unlimited power. Does this spawn have unlimited power? Like this is a great chance to let us know, hey, and and McFarlane's drawing it. So even though maybe Frank Miller doesn't know to put that in, McFarlane's drawing it. He could have been like, hey, Frank, you know, I'm going to put this in here so people know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it seems it seems a little inconsistent. Like it seems a little inconsistent in, in that respect. And it's, it's going to be curious to see if, if he continues with that, with that, clock moving forward into future issues because it it seems like something that would have i mean at some point it might run down pretty quick if if you're gonna have you know depending on which writers you have guest writing i mean that <laughs> they, they might write put spawn in situations where he might be using up his power pretty quick <laughs> especially yeah, if it's frank I mean, miller because frank miller t tends to put his characters through the ringer <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we saw in issue eight where he went and gathered all those weapons and he talked about how it was more familiar to him to use conventional weaponry, even though these are, you know, futuristic laser guns or whatever, huh. supposedly cutting edge military technology, um, but more familiar, more what he was used to using when he was alive, and it doesn't drain his powers. And in fact, he keeps that sort of hand cannon that blew the hole in him that he took yeah. from Boomer. Uh, when, and then we get a, a very McFarlane-esque full page splash there and you can see he's bringing the gun with him. He follows Boomer. He overhears these guys talking. So there's creeps and there's nerds, not exactly the, uh, the Crips and Bloods, but I guess the, the nineties version. And these nerds are, they're like a technological street gang, I guess. 
sort yes. of kind of weird. Yes, they stay um, clean. They don't swear. They don't do drugs. They only steal yeah. electronics and kill creeps. <laughs> yeah, creeps being the other rival gang. That's right. Um, and so they don't believe Boomer when he talks about the fact that he blew a hole in this guy and the guy got back up and they're saying, you know, you, you must have uh, put something in your arm or up your nose or down your throat and that makes you stupid and, you know, that's bad. We, we don't... Uh, we don't allow stupid people to be a member of the nerds. And so then they call in Byron, who is, again, another giant hulking, you know, even bigger than Boomer, giant hulking character with a big mustache and a mohawk. And not only does he have pouches and belts and giant shoulder pads uh, and a whole armband of uh, grenades, he's got a mohawk as well. Doesn't get more <laughs> 90s than, than that. Uh, and those boots, man, Jesus. Wow, they look yeah. like trash cans. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 very it's very cliche here, but you know what? It 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 is it is. I guess it is a lot of fun, uh, it, but it is cliche. You know, it, I don't know if it's just I feel like laughing at this picture because I'm drawn to his crotch. He's got this big gaping like his you know like leather crotch thing. This Byron character. It looks like a shoehorn. <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it looks like looks like one of those uh one of those bull balls that uh you know uh. My trucker truckers from Montana put on the back of their truck when they're yeah, <laughs> tough yeah, to brag exactly. about there. <laughs> I don't know. It's sorry. Just the way it's hanging. It's it just it it's funny. It's it's nineties excess uh, on on crazy characters, man. And and right down to the Liefeld. Uh, it's not Liefeld, but he's definitely he's competing with Liefeld for the uh, shoulder pads. That's for sure. Yeah, and so we also learned that the leader of the. Uh, the nerds is named Norton because Boomer says, I'm clean, Norton, I swear. And, you know, ba based on kind of the size of him, his, his body shape, which he's very skinny, but yet has a giant belt. Like his belt is like 25% of his body. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's insane. His belt is taller than his head. Uh, so maybe Edward Norton from the Honeymooners is, is what I'm thinking where he got the name. But Anybody who's, you know, used a computer in the last 20 years may know Norton Antivirus, which is one of the most popular antivirus yeah. programs. So That's what I thought. I thought, nerds, yeah, I thought yeah. of Norton Antivirus myself. Yeah, exactly. But remember, this was before the advent of widespread use of computers and the internet. It's kind of in the early, early days of it. So yeah. Norton Antivirus wasn't a thing, but it's kind of ironic that it works on that level too. So uh, anyway, Spawn's heard enough. Uh, he, he knows, you know, what threat he's up against and he thinks, well, at least it's not a talking aardvark. Um, so as he leaves, um, Byron accidentally kills Boomer. Um, and they're not too worried about it. So like, ah, nuts, he's dead. Um, so Spawn's thinking, well, this is not good. Last thing he needs is a turf war, um, on those alleys that, uh, that his friends inhabit. Cause apparently they run right through a, a place that'll be a good pipeline for whatever. I mean, they don't do drugs, so maybe it's stolen goods or, or whatever, whatever these nerds are into the alley is right in the, in the way of what would be a, uh, a pipeline for these, for these nerds, um, through creep territory. And, uh, he responds thinking that his power is depleted. So again, <laughs> Is it still on the dashes? Is he at zero? He had enough to heal his chest. Can he only use a limited amount, you know, in a certain time? Like what's going on? And he's like, there's too many guns to actually go down there and fight. 
he's got to think like a soldier, use his training that he had pre-spawn uh, and figure out when the best time to uh, attack is. Meanwhile, back in the alley, his friends, Bobby and Boots, are wondering, what, what the hell are we going to do with this dead body? We can't leave it here. It'll attract cops. Maybe we can take it down to the mission. And, and while he's trying to figure that out, there's more clank, clank, clank. We got another giant bowling ball size character here. Uh, really tired of seeing this type of uh, character, to be honest with you. This time, his name is James. He's a cyborg enforcer for the Creep Gang. He's big and mean and rather emotional, and he starts bawling that um, that this girl's dead. And uh, again, so it's not the reason I dislike this issue is not just the exposition, but th these characters are just so tropey from Miller. It's it's not I don't know I don't I don't really enjoy it, and and the violence is so cartoonish. Um, but anyway. Uh, this guy, James, decides that he's going to mark the alley with blood as a warning to the nerds to let them know it belongs to the creeps. So he reaches out and he's going to basically pop Bobby's head like a zit when he gets shot from behind. And it's Spawn who has uh, blown a hole in him with the gun that he took off of uh, Boomer earlier. And he says, sure, that's a smelly, filthy rat hole, but it's our smelly, uh, filthy rat hole. Get lost. And uh, there's a little bit, little bit of a pitched battle. Um, and ultimately he says, well, th this is my chance. And what he does is he goes to the creeps and he uses a little bit of his power to put on somewhat of a fireworks show and says that all the creeps are going to die. Meet us in the alley at such and such a day. Then he goes back to the nerds and he says, this war will end. The alley is going to be ours. All nerds die tonight. We're going to hunt you down. So he basically sets it up where both forces show up in the alley that night. To, uh, to fight each other. And once they've pretty much killed everybody, the only one left alive, they've all killed each other, is Byron. Then uh, Spawn takes out Byron. Uh, and the way he does that is, is kind of interesting because Byron is uh, would be a really tough person for Spawn to defeat on his own. Use up a lot of that power. And again, he's talking about his power being depleted. He has armor that, you know, a, apparently can deflect the weaponry, that gun that Spawn has. So Spawn says, let's play alien. And when he first said that, I, I didn't, I didn't get it, get the meaning. I'm like, what does he mean? Like, because Spawn looks not human. Is that, that what he means? But he does have use enough of his power. Apparently, even though it's depleted, he does use enough, have enough left to teleport, but he, he teleports and you're like, okay, well, where did he go? Did he just run away and abandon Bobby to Byron? And then all of a sudden, Bobby says, or not Bobby, uh, Byron says, her, what? Ooh. And we get some exposition talking about how tough the armor is. Uh, but like the escape artist Houdini said about being trapped in a bank vault, they're made to keep people out. Uh, there's not, they're not made to keep people in. Uh, and so what we learn is where Spawn teleported was actually inside Byron, uh, where I guess he doesn't really need to use much of his power to bust out just his, you know, usual strength and claws. And uh, he busts <laughs> bust out of Byron. Um, and this is what Rocky's saying about the level of violence in this issue. Very Frank Miller-esque. Uh, and Bobby's like, well, uh, geez, Al, I'm not going to ask you a bunch of questions. Um, clearly, you're beyond my understanding. You just popped out of this guy's chest. Um, but what I want to know is, how does this help us get the alley back? And Spawn says, ah, the cops will come and clean everything up and we'll just move back in as he casually tosses Byron's head 
aside and says life goes on. So, uh, yeah, just super, like I said, super tropey, really tired of the, the character. And again, I, I'm not necessarily pointing the finger at Frank Miller. Maybe it was McFarlane who chose the designs for these characters, but does every character have to be just this big giant meathead character? I mean, we already had overt kill as that. Um, give me something different. Give me something interesting. Yeah. So, I think yeah. from a, uh, the, the story, it, it definitely, you know, knowing Frank Miller wrote it, it, it's, it is absolutely right up there with classic tropey Frank Miller in terms of the very simplistic, the very simplistic violent stories. The whole thing is a gang war. It, it, it's, it's violent. It starts with violence. It, it ends with violence. That's not surprising. I, now, uh, trying to read a little bit more into it, though, I did actually like the, uh, what Spawn did. I liked the way that he sort of played both gangs against each other. It sort of reminds me of the uh, of the god that wears a red hat and a black and, and a you know a black hat and a white hat and you know there's the the two warring tribes on both sides of the road one 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 tribe worships the black god one side worships the white god and and, and but it's but yet there's only one god and every every day God walks down the middle of the road and he's got uh, he's wearing a hat on and the, one side of his hat is black the other side of his hat is is white. And then he walks down the road and then the people on the one side worship the, the, the God with the white hat because they think God wears a white hat. And the other tribe think God wears a black hat. And then when God gets to the end of the road, he turns around and walks back again and he flips his hat around. And the both warring tribes, they don't realize they're both uh, praying to the same God. So it reminds me here of, of Spawn, you know, playing these two gangs like a violin and they thinking that, you know... <laughs> He's not a god, but he's you know he's the he's the enemy, and he's the enemy of both of them. I, I kind of like that. It was a for a short story, a done in one. I thought it was very well. I thought it was I thought it was done. So even though it was tropey, it was done in a fun way. They wiped each other out. Uh, the letterer was certainly certain was certainly tested. A lot of booms, a lot of destruction, and um, um, yeah. Uh, the name of the girl that was killed at the beginning, who was a member of the uh, the, the nerd uh, the nerd gang member. Uh, a boomer killed uh, the girl who was asking for Spawn's help to save her, and her name was Buffy. So even the name Buffy, <laughs> I thought, was that from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Because this was in the early early nineties. I think that's what Buffy the Vamp. But even the girl's name, I thought, was a little was a little tropey there. But uh, you know, uh, it, it was a fun issue. Uh, but like you said, it was definitely something where. Uh, you know, nerds versus creeps. It, it was definitely something where it, it kind of felt maybe like a filler issue, but because it had, had just exorbitant violence, it, you know, it probably put a shit-eating grin on people's faces. When you consider that we got Cerebus in the previous issue, this one was, was they probably needed, we needed to be reminded that this was maybe more of a violent character because coming, coming off of issue 10, which was more of a sort of a dream sequence with Al, finding his happiness on this seventh level of hell or whatever the hell it is. Uh, this was definitely a decided shift in tone. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, to, to McFarland's credit, I mean, the, these were the biggest names in comics at the time, right? Getting Alan Moore on consecutive issues. You got Alan Moore, yeah. you got Neil Gaiman, you got Dave Sim, you got uh, Frank Miller. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're that's pretty good <laughs> yeah you're you're pulling in just the, the the top line creators and 
And I imagine part of the reason that McFarland did it was because he was, uh, he's like, Hey, these are, these are creators that people know people may not, you know, the more discerning comic fan, they may not be picking up spawn. Maybe they read my Spider-Man run and didn't like it. Maybe they're not willing to give my writing a try, but maybe I can get them to pick up a, an issue that's written by Neil Gaiman, you know, and get them interested enough in the character of spawn that even at, when I come back to the writing duties, maybe they'll hang, you know, hang on, maybe they'll, they'll stick with the series. So, um, I'm sure it worked because these were some pretty high selling issues. Again, I, you know, we, we know how many issues the first issue sold, um, 1.7 million, but there's, and I'm sure there's historical data somewhere about second, third, fourth, all the way up through the 12th, but, uh, I don't know how to find it. I did some internet searches and, and couldn't find it. But once we get a, a little further along, uh, we can use the, the Comicron resource, the Comicron website, and we will, as we go through, um, once they're available, be giving you circulation numbers because um, it'll be interesting to talk about because there there are issues of Spawn that are pretty expensive. Like f some later issues of Spawn are, are probably worth more than issue one because the print runs were so small because the readership yeah. just fell off. So uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. I uh, don't think there's anything else to add. We'll be back tomorrow with Spawn Miss Day 12. We hope you all join us. Uh, we also hope you're all having a joyous holiday season and uh, spending time with family and being safe and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we appreciate the support as always. And anything else to add, Rocky? Just mer Merry Spawn, Miss. Merry Spawn, Miss, everybody. We will talk to you next time. Yeah. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.